There we go. Hi, Hi, hello. Very, very, very good to see you. It's good to I, see you too, man. And it's yeah. always, always years, right? Like between oh, our meetings or decades sometimes. Well, it's what happens when you live on two different continents, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like there's only, what, 3,000, like 5,000 kilometers of ocean <laughs> <laughs> and another 1,500 kilometers of land. Yeah, that, that's all. So it, it happens. But it's really good to see you. And it's always, it's always a pleasure. It's, yeah, f yeah, this is great. It's, yeah. Trying to remember. So, what did what did I met you on? Uh, what was that? That that King Crimson blog page thing back in the late nineties. Yeah, it was yeah. Elephant Talk mailing list, right? That's where it was, probably. Yeah, yeah, Elephant yeah, yeah. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. Man, <laughs> too long ago. I don't want to think about that. Makes me feel old. <laughs> but yeah, no, things are great. Um, we had some snow. It's melting. Life is okay. I had a class today just before I came here. Mm -hmm. It was on new media. Mm -hmm. So we talked about new media. I showed a couple of really wild videos and they were all uh, amused. What, what is new media? Uh, basically, the use of media in a way that is novel and different and specifically fine art in, the, in a fine art context. Mm -hmm. So that's... That's, so that's one of the classes that I teach this semester. The other one I teach is in sound synthesis. It's basically a class in electronic music, which I know a lot about. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I, I knew you originally as, a, as an artist, as a musician. Yeah. And, and you sent me that wonderful record with the uh, a gold leaf. Oh, yeah. yeah the copper. Did. Yeah, the yeah. copper. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that was my introduction to your work. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was Coronagraph back in 2000, 2001. Mm -hmm. Around then, yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> but no, that was, that was a fun thing. I did a, That was a limited edition. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I only pressed 750 CDs, and I only made like 500 uh, covers. Mm -hmm. Took over the house for a few days, and... <laughs> <laughs> made a lot of those but that, that that was fun that was a fun project yeah i followed that with k2 which is uh available for download everything well you know it's all on my kether music on Bandcamp. it's all there and uh but yeah that was a real interesting piece because uh it was me just finally deciding to actually do an object that is reproducible and it was customized mm -hmm. because I used to do a lot of cassette stuff. And <laughs> so I do like a run of like 50 cassettes and I would just, and I made a custom cover for each cassette. So they all look completely different. Yes. I went to a, a, a yard sale and uh, this guy was selling literally a crate of National Geographic machine magazines. Mm -hmm. So I just sat there <clears throat> for like a few weeks just watching TV and cutting pictures out of <laughs> National Geographic. And then I then I got these folders and I just organized them like ocean, animals, mountains, industry, like that. So then so then I was able to uh and then I printed up the cassette J cards. Mm -hmm. 
and then just spray paint, sprayed the, did the spray glue, and then just put the picture on and then just trimmed it. And so while I'm watching television, (laughs) I'm trimming this. And at the meantime, I had one of those dual head cassettes. So I just put it like high speed copy, bang. And it had the auto auto reverse. So it just run through it, then bang, and then go back and I'm done. Mm -hmm. Put it together, throw it over there, put another blank in, hit that, spray, put the picture on, cut it. It was like that. It was like this kind of funny thing to do while I'm watching, you know, I don't know, Star Trek or something. (laughs) It's a pretty progressive way of thinking about musical objects, right? To have uh, unique packaging. And it's it's something that's come back a big time in the last 10 years, right? Well, it's had to. It's really had to. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's not new, right? That's what oh, I'm trying to say. You know, it's yeah. it's like you know the the old is the new new. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that, that's a, that's an interesting discussion. But uh, but my inspiration for this were were people like Soviet France, mm-hmm. and their covers were just amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did one. I forget the name of it. I think it was like Soviet songs and youth music, mm-hmm. and all the cassettes came in a clay box mm-hmm. and in the box was a feather mm-hmm. but the feather was from a seagull next to the Sellafield nuclear disaster <laughs> <laughs> so you're getting this this radioactive feather <laughs> those guys were amazing and then they, they did another one was it a uh, I forget which one, but it was basically uh, the record album was made out of Hessian uh, burlap. Mm-hmm. And then it was painted with uh, creosote, which is what they paint telephone poles with. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the stuff is incredibly toxic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just bad, you know. I love that shit. So, so that's what I took inspiration from. Only I tried to do something rather than be be real aggressive like that. I wanted to take that and flip it into something beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I have that ba- a background in doing calligraphy and because I actually did that as a side business back in the mid '80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I still do it once in a while, but not as much as I used to. But but yeah, so I figured I could uh, brush on glue. And then smack the uh, the uh, the copper leaf, and then just do it again, do it again, let it all dry, and then brush it all off. And then I had uh, rubber stamps made, so all of the text is rubber stamp mm-hmm. with a you know the stamp yes, bang, yeah, like that. So that's how all that was done. I, I, was, I still have that city somewhere. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't have very many left. I think I only have like. Five, mm-hmm. five or six. That's, somewhere that's, in... that's a good sign. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've sold hundreds, hundreds of them. I, I think I still have twelve thousand CDs in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Okay. No, no, not really. I think we, we, we got rid of um, some of them last year. We started, um, you know, using a warehouse and, and kind of like a fulfillment company that does stuff for us. And we sent them quite a few uh, rates of, of CDs. And they yeah. are, um, so the basement is not as full anymore. But it's, it's one, one big shelf full of CDs. Um, and like, my, you know, given, you know, that I've been recording and releasing music for 23 years, um, that's okay. It's okay to sell yeah. a shelf full of CDs. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Oh, so, so you're talking about downstairs. So I gather you're no longer in that little apartment off of Prince Lauer? Um, we are, I'm still very close, but in a new new house. Uh, oh, cool. one, one Wonderful penthouse apartment. Amazing, amazing nice. place. And, um, you know, like Berlin is, and I think like, yeah, I mean, Toronto is probably worse. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's tough. And we've been, well, we've been looking for three years. Mm. And then I think like actually COVID was in our favor. Um you know, like this yeah. this place, we wouldn't even have looked for it. You know, it's so great. We wouldn't have uh, dared uh, to look for something like this. Yeah, and then it just appeared. Like there are like these neighborhood apps. I don't know if you know about those. Like it's yeah, just, yeah. It's, it's we have them here. That, yeah, yeah, okay. So and and then this this lady who used to live here said she needed a new renter, like that she could you know present to the uh, to the owners and. And it took, took like three, four hours and it was clear <laughs> we'll get the place. It was, was amazing. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, the uh, things here, rentals here are down mm -hmm. and they're getting very cheap. Well, not very cheap. They're getting, they're less expensive than they used to be. Mm -hmm. But single family housing here, like our house, mm -hmm. stupid expensive. It went up, I think, 8% uh, last year. Did you, that, did you? That was did on you, top of twelve percent. Did you buy? Did you buy, did you buy your house? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we left San Francisco. Mm -hmm. It was really funny. The you 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 remember the little house we had in San Francisco up on the hill? Yes. So we bought that place for like three twenty six, and then we sold it for eight hundred. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good. Yay! <laughs> we bought this place for about seven fifty. Mm -hmm. So we paid off our debts and. Uh, bought a house and you know we uh we still have a mortgage you know just because yeah. it's useful to do that yes but uh but no and this house has been appraised i think at 1.7 million it's just ridiculous this this is not no no it's not it's not worth it <laughs> no 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 way yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's just it's just what this town has done. Everything's just off the scale. But uh, apartments are getting uh, relatively inexpensive. Like it used to be, I think a one bedroom was twenty one hundred, mm -hmm. and now mm -hmm. it's down to I think about seventeen hundred. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's still this, expensive. Yeah, a little a little more expensive than here, just a little. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but things are good. But uh, but uh, yeah, you t you talked about something that I, I was I find really fascinating. You talked about everything that's old is new again, and that's something that's really kind of important to me lately. Uh, to, uh, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the West End Electric album. 
I did. Which, which one is that? I listen. It's, I listen. It's by a band called West End Electric, but it's actually just me. Okay. <laughs> and it's on band. It's on my Bandcamp, but as a separate band under yeah. Kether Records. Okay. Yeah. Here, I'll uh, I'll yeah, send, send you the send me a link. Yeah. 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 Here we go, chat. There we go. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, I did this uh, about a year ago. No, I, I have not listened to this one. Yeah, this actually has a rhythm in it and stuff. This is actually very much not ambient. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but it's, uh, it, it also points towards the kind of thing that I, I did with the, uh, with uh, the Laraji. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing that I did with the zithers. Yeah. It's kind of like that, only instead of listening to Laraji or something, I was listening to Boards of Canada. Mm -hmm. And so I was like putting my brain inside that space and trying to figure out how how they do that, you know, yeah. and yeah. what are yeah. the processes? I did a lot of research on their techniques. And so I made this record and it's it's not Boards of Canada by any stretch. Yeah, it's very different, but it's kind of like where if I inhabited that space, what would that be like? Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. so that was one of the little things that I had in my head. Oh, well, what would I do? And I have a history of doing this. So like I did uh, NC by Terry Riley, and that's on my Array album. And then I, uh, under, on the album, um, The Standard Model, I uh, covered, uh, what was that, America, uh, America the Beautiful, and then uh, O Canada, and uh, Discreet Music by Brian Eno. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and that was a fun one because uh, you might remember the article, this guy deconstructed Discreet Music. Mm -hmm. And so he had a little place you could download the patches for... Uh, for the the synthy that he used yeah and also the uh the uh, melodies he uh also put up as midi files mm -hmm. <laughs> so i just took the midi files mm -hmm. and then just assigned new sounds in a totally new soundscape so it's much more lush because mm -hmm. uh discrete music i mean let, let's be clear it's it's very austere there's mm -hmm. not a lot in there and because it's 30 minutes long, he couldn't put any low frequencies into it Yeah, because of the needle, you know, you, you just can't do that. So it's all super mid-rangey. And so I made my versions like half the length is like 16 minutes and it's like full range of, uh, of tonality and uh, frequency. And uh, so it's, it's a lot more lush sounding. It's, it's much more luxuriant as opposed to the kind of austerity that uh Eno did and so yeah. so that's what i like doing i like i like taking things and then i'll just re-inhabit it because i i feel that's important it's somebody said i forget who it was but music is only alive when people play it yes mm -hmm. so you know when's the last time somebody did a cover of discrete music uh i don't know never <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know? Maybe, maybe Bang on a Can did? Or, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. maybe they did. Yeah, that's a good, maybe they did. Because I know they did music for airports. Yeah, yeah. But it's like that, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like... Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's a great, great point. 
I've, I haven't thought about it that way, that covering, like in pop music, what is called making a cover of a song, is um, very much like playing the music, like in, in classical, right? Yeah. yeah. You're absolutely right. I, I haven't, haven't considered that. That's uh, yeah. very true. And then yeah, all and these I, people like Van Cliburn and uh, uh, you know, all the famous classical musicians, they made a living doing covers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and everything's different. You listen to one guy play Moonlight Sonata, somebody else plays Moonlight Sonata. They're totally different, but it's the same song. Hey, is the the app that you um, wrote for uh, in C? Is this is that still working? Oh yeah, oh. it's it works on any uh, iPad. You need an iPad. Yeah. Okay. And it comes in, you just use it and you can play in C to your heart's content. I performed it. Well, I, you remember, I was in Berlin and I did that. And, yes. Yeah. Oh, God, I had the funniest experience with that. I was at a uh, conference in New York where I was invited to perform. And everybody was talking about how important it is for, you know, the theoreticians to listen to artists and we should do this. And so I said, cool, and uh, great, because like right after this discussion, I'm going to be playing in C by Terry Riley on my, uh, you know, on my little uh, iPad. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, cool. And as soon as it was over, everybody left. <laughs> to go to some other part of the conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> the only people who were there were was this one guy who was who i had been talking to earlier that day mm -hmm. and three of my friends from new jersey who drove all the way into new york city to just listen to me play and hang out with me <laughs> you, you know it's it's the that's that's the real life of a musician that's what oh, yeah. it is like yeah. Okay. yeah i know it's it's easy it's easy to forget if you have a little bit of success <laughs> <laughs> but i i never i never forgot you know i still i still make music that nobody wants to hear and i'm i'm quite happy about that <laughs> same here same here it's like okay fine <laughs> But you know that that app was hilarious. I thought just the oh, idea, the idea to uh, that you could you know tweak the pitch and <laughs> of of the parts and stuff like amazing and like <laughs> and mix it wacky and you wacky can, sounds can... and you can mix it and yes, I, I really <laughs> I really thought that was amazing. And I, I had Thank it, I, I had it on. I I used to have an iPad, so but I don't have one anymore. Mm. Yeah, I was talking with uh, the the guy who did the programming for it. Uh, I designed it, and he, yeah, I came up with it, and he's the one who did the C programming. Yeah, and uh, so we're we're talking about doing another version because mm -hmm. uh, in about five in twenty twenty five, it'll be the sixtieth anniversary or something. Yeah, the seven sixty nineteen sixty five to whatever that is. I don't care, but anyway, mm -hmm. <laughs> sixty years. Mm -hmm. uh, which is going to be really amazing, and uh, so I was thinking that might be a worth worth an upgrade. Maybe I'll uh, 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 I'll talk to, uh, I'll get another somebody else because he he specializes in uh, 
what's that? Uh, Objective C, mm -hmm. which is for the Apple platform. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to get it onto uh, uh, what's that? Uh, you know, uh, Android and you know other systems like that. Yes. Uh -huh. And or even get a desktop version. That would be cool too. Uh, so maybe people with Chrome with a Chromebook could yeah. Yeah. could do it. I mean, that would be cool too. But uh, but that'll take money and time and effort, and it's still a few years away. So I'm not going to think about it. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of where that that project sits. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that was that was fun. I got a grant to do that too. It was kind of nice. <laughs> it's like I have an idea. I'd like to do NC. Da 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 da. Okay, here here's five thousand dollars. Go. Amazing. So I, man. <laughs> I just wrote a check and sent it to the programmer and bingo, there it is. <laughs> do you but, still, yeah. do you have an overview over your, um, over the works that you did over the years? Do you still remember every single thing you did? Yes. Well, the, I've actually, it's so funny that you say that because I'm literally, I, about three months ago, I started taking stock of my stuff. Because I'm I'm 62, guaranteed not to live forever, and uh, so I've been thinking about uh, not legacy concerns, but taking stock of where I've been to mm -hmm. see where I'm going to go forward, right? Mm -hmm. And so I started writing everything down, and my uh, and that's what it's that's what's great about my uh, uh, with Kether Records. It's basically everything. Uh, here I'll send that to you. the The whole label is just yes. me and my work, and uh, so I have. So like, there's there's what I do under my own name. Then uh, West End Electric, which is a new thing for me to work under, and then there's the various uh, ensembles I've worked in, like MRW, Mars Warwick, CDW, SW was a, a thing that I did with. Uh, Robin Story from Soviet France and Rapun. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's a great guy, by the way. He, he's awesome. I love him to death. He's an excellent, excellent human being. And uh, and so what I did was I took his album, uh, Raising Earthly Spirits, and I uh, turned it into The Burial of Alien Ghosts. And uh, what I did was I took his entire record and I put it into Ableton Live and then I said right click find harmony mm -hmm. transmit into MIDI mm -hmm. came back half an hour later <laughs> <laughs> and of course it's garbage right it's just total garbage because it's just like scattered because it, it like if there's like a little uh, reverb twinkle it sees that as a pitch, you know. Yes, yeah. So, so you just get this scatter because in in Rapun, it, that stuff is like so heavily processed, and it just it lives in reverb tails, you know. It's just like this big sound, and so I was like, so it's just it's just a colossal mess of MIDI all over the place, which is desirable because <laughs> because then I could just do a subtractive activity and pull stuff out 
and leave things behind and then reassign sounds. So I took what his was, digitized it, and then reinterpreted it. So I didn't really play anything. I just manipulated MIDI data. And, uh, and because it's something that he and I are working together, uh, that's the only, one, only thing that I charge for, really. It's uh, that one, any money that you put into that goes to uh, shelter.uk. Uh, and uh, and then to the uh, Brunswick home here in uh, Toronto. It's it's basically aid for the homeless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, because I I don't really charge for my stuff. A because I'm a bit of a commie like that. I just don't care. And B, it's like you. Yeah, this is where you and I have a really huge difference in terms of where our lives are at. Is that this is how you make a living. This is not how I make a living. <laughs> I have a really good job and it pays the bills, you know? Mm. And so I don't, if, like if I, let's say I charged, I don't know, $10 for every CD that I've, that's been downloaded. I, I think I did the math on this about five months ago. I think I would have made $4,000. Maybe three thousand if I charge ten bucks a pop. Congratulations! That's that's a lot of money. <laughs> well, ten thousand Canadian. Yeah, Canadian. I, I know, I know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm just saying it's incredibly hard even to make that much. Oh yeah, know? yeah. Like you say, it's, it's uh, yeah. But coming back to this uh, idea where you were taking the record and extracting the MIDI, right? Mm-hmm. I do that with my own stuff. So I would program a generative MIDI thing then bounce that to audio with reverb tails or whatever and then i would use the extract you know midi <laughs> on the stuff that i you know because i, I want though as you say i want those glitches i want those uh you know um unpredictable glitches and, yeah um, yeah that's i mean we, we are i i know like we're we're basically the same person right like we're made from the same clay let's <laughs> say right when it comes to our interests in art and and i you yeah. know it's 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 funny because um i think i've i've always been like an artist you mm-hmm. know like i the the music i've been making i've always seen that as some sort of fine art project um but then when i when i met renee my ex-wife we can do you, you met her right? yes. renee, and um and then i started realizing because she she is an artist um performance artist and stuff and and then I realized, okay, well, what I'm doing here is actually more than just music. It's it's what people would call art. And then I started understanding why I wasn't successful <laughs> with what I was doing. And and it was good. It was it was wonderful because I I still I still can't be bothered to do stuff that people like. It's just impossible. And I I, I and I don't know why. I have some success. <laughs> I don't even don't even know why, but it's sort of like I, I feel like I'm blessed, you know. Right. I can really do whatever I want, and like Tony Levin says that, like when we are on stage with Stickman, we we don't, you know, we just do whatever we want, and there's an audience. Like we can say, there's at least eighty people, even in the smallest village, <laughs> coming mm-hmm. out just because Tony was on so on the album so. And his bass was mixed very loud, 
right? Like you could say that <laughs> that's the reason why Tony is popular um, for many other reasons as well. But it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's sort of like uh, an interesting world I live in where it's like where art and, um, and, and trying to make money from it kind of meets. And <laughs> it's, it's interesting. It's challenging. Yeah. Well, luckily you have like the super mad skills with the with your touch guitar and yeah not only with the touch guitar and i'm being serious like okay. you know i have i have acquired skills in many different fields that are useful um to be um proficient and uh you know efficient you know cool. it's it's and i i find that that really is 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 part of um of being successful in the field of media creation, yeah, right. That you yeah. you have a good workflow and that you're mm -hmm. also good with people. Like you can mm -hmm. you can manage you know manage processes and manage you know people some somewhat as well. And I think that that really is um, is a big plus if you if you want to put art out into out into the world that is also being consumed. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, speaking of which, I, I finally got a multi-string guitar. Mm -hmm. I'll show you. Yeah. Yeah, it's an Ibanez. Old Schecter. Oh, Schecter, okay. Yeah. Schecter 8-string. It's got the uh, blackout. Uh, what are the blackout pickups? I forget who made it. Not DiMarzio. Um, I don't know. I forget those guys. So it sounds, it sounds, it's a, it's a, it's a shredding guitar. It's for metal stuff. Nice. Yeah. But I've been using it because, because I, you know, I just taped off the top, and so I've just been like practicing. That's what I love about your videos that you've been doing with uh, Crowder. Yes. Because I've been learning how to uh, tap doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I just do. I like I'll do the scales and stuff, but. Uh, but you're you're showing really interesting and important techniques with those videos, and so I've been like studying those very closely. Yeah, you know, like my um, and this is this has been on my mind recently because I'm putting those videos out for free, like mm -hmm. you know, and um, it's basically like the, my very specialized uh, knowledge that I'm sharing for free, and it's it's. It's interesting to see how some people react to it. Some people don't understand that I'm basically sharing secrets. Like mm. if there is such a thing as a secret, what, <laughs> what it means, what, what, but what I mean by that is that I have over years of study found out what the problems are, you know, even the problems that I still have, you mm. know, like with almost three decades of playing the, that kind of instrument, like all of that is built into what I teach. So like when somebody starts learning from me, they, even after a few weeks, they have already have a better technique than I will ever have. Hmm. And that is, that is my, and I don't know if you would agree with that as a teacher, as with the teaching that you do, but you know, that's kind of like, yeah, probably not, but. <laughs> but I don't, well, me, no, it, it depends on what it is, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there's some people who have definitely like by far exceeded what I ever told them ever. And then yeah, there's some people yeah. who are just kind of like, no, but that's okay. Yeah, sure. But yes, I, I agree. I, you can't expect everybody to pick up on it, but at least yeah. I want to give people a chance. And, uh, 
that's why I'm like always so so still excited like a child when I discover uh, say an exercise that addresses a specific problem um, uh, that you know then kind of like brings people forward like mm -hmm. seven years into the future simply by practicing something for three weeks right like, yeah you know I have that that sort of time scale to kind of judge how long things take you know with this instrument and and so it's been it's it's great and Sean Crowder is is a fantastic guy and like um, we had the first um, meeting with uh, another player like distance yeah we had distance mm -hmm. between us no problem but three people and we played together and it was amazing he's all he's just he started six weeks ago and he was already playing with us it was wow incredible. It's incredible that's great yeah he's a talented guy what can i say but yeah that's excellent yeah. and a fine teacher so there you go what more do you want <laughs> oh. i mean do i do i want to spend should i i mean i know usa you have the advantage of uh, having yeah. a, a teaching job and yeah and and you have uh, what's it called tenure is that the tenure word? yes i have yeah, tenure so, so amazing i mean i envy you for that oh, <laughs> on God. the on the other hand i mean as as i have this somewhat like a vocation right to uh make music do i really want to have a full-time job um no maybe not no no at all i mean like like uh pretend that covid goes away tomorrow just pretend Mm -hmm. And so the stick men start wiring up for a summer tour. Mm -hmm. That's great. Let's say it gets extended into autumn. Yeah. Uh, not me. No. <laughs> I have to teach yeah. class in September. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I have like August. August is nothing but like faculty meetings and planning for the for the next semester. It's a it's a fucking nightmare. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, yeah, no. So, like, literally, I, I could never, because of where I'm at, I, I can't possibly even dream of, you know, living the life as, as, as you have it. Uh, and so it's, a, it's huge trade-offs, you know, massive, massive trade-offs. And, uh, but, yeah, but, yeah, it was just like, I've always made music that no one really wanted to listen to. And I got a lot of... Uh, uh, it just got soul crushing after a while, you know, it's just yeah. like always working day jobs to keep a roof over my head. And then I just said, OK, you know, if I'm going to have a day job, I want a good day job. <laughs> Damn it. You know, I'm not going to drive around as a courier or something. I'm going to, you know, I, I want something that's much more uh, rewarding and certainly easier on my feet. And uh so that's when I started doing that. That was like in the mid '80s when I started uh, sussing that out, and uh, so I started working as a typographer and a calligrapher and doing that kind of thing. And then I got a type design, and then I worked at Apple for a while on the Final Cut Pro development team, and then I was at Napster, and that's a whole other crazy story. Uh, and so I always had these really good jobs, and then. And it was at Napster that actually that I realized that I got to change things. I, I was at an inflection point in my early 40s because, you know, I could do, I, I made these beautiful paintings. I was doing these huge paintings. I was doing this amazing electronic music. None of that's really going to put food on the table. 
And the guy who was the CTO of the company that I was working at was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It was a fine guy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Sean Fanning was a perfectly decent human being. But I'm 42. This kid's literally half my age. And I just realized this is not a job for an old man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to now think about the second half of the game. So I figured, well, you know, I could teach. I, I was doing some teaching on the side, like teaching classes in freehand and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was fine. So I enjoyed that. So I said, well, maybe I could do this full time. So I got my MFA, which is the bottom line you know, degree requirement. Mm-hmm. And then I got a job in New Jersey, teaching in New Jersey, and that was fine. I got accepted to tenure track and all that, but then the, the government cut the budget, and so my job literally just vaporized. Everything just was disappeared. Went back to San Francisco, kept applying for jobs, and got this, this one in Toronto, and that's how, yeah. that, that's how that literally happened. But it was, it was a very conscious thing that I had to work very hard at, and it took many years. I mean, I started it. I started thinking about this in 2001 and I got tenure in 2015. So that was like a 14 year project. And I re- I remember when you when you based, when you got the call to go to Toronto. I still remember yeah. that. Which year was that? Uh 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. 14 years. Crazy, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so that's how I got to where I am. And so I feel very comfortable with where I am. I, you know, have a nice house, you know, uh, all this stuff, all this stuff is here for me now. And I, and I'm, and what's also really cool for me is that technology is finally catching up to where my head is at. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. And that just makes my life so much easier. You know, Mm -hmm. like, uh, like I had to do all that. Like, uh, what's his name? Um, Jacques Attali in his book Noise, uh, the political economy of music. He says that uh, the musicians are heralds. They mm-hmm. they for they 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 are kind of like a heraldic uh, force. So if you want to know where things are going, look what the musicians are doing now, mm-hmm. because that's where we're going next. So yeah. the musicians herald new ages the rock and roll heralded you know the beatles in 63 psychedelia in 65 heralded the revolutions of 68 mm-hmm. you know the uh the party music of the early 70s heralded the disco era you know mm-hmm. uh you know the the, the uh, all that kind of stuff you know, so if you want to know where we're going, look at what the musicians are doing now. And that is really frightening because right now musicians are starving and it's horrible. So if musicians are the herald of the future, the future's looking kind of grim. <laughs> I hate to say it. Yes, but I have uh, the following question. Sure. So what about, what about the musician is kind of predicting the future is it the state that they're in let's say or is it their work 
because in the case of what you said, the example of the Beatles, or you know, it's actually the music. It's it's the music that carries the vibe. Let's say so. If and I'm just saying, like, if what you say is right, that the the starving will have will have predictive qualities. Let's say right. <laughs> uh, then uh, then probably would say that 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 the starving has to somewhat show within the within the works of the musicians and that that in itself would be interesting to me to hear i have yes. to say even even if it means starving uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, i i agree with you that's 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 really interesting well that, that, that's a predictive thing that we can test mm-hmm you know, and see where this goes. There's been some, and this also ties into something that you said earlier that I wanted to touch on, which is how the past is the future now. Mm-hmm. And the past, you know, like there's this constant farming of the old. And this is, uh, this was covered by Simon Reynolds in his book, Retromania. Mm-hmm. And that's a parallel book to uh, the book Capitalist Realism by Mark Fisher. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, Fisher has a, there's a video of Fisher, it's online on YouTube, where he says that uh, if you listen to the music of today, there isn't anything coming out today. This is when he was speaking, say, 20, I think it was like 2015, 2014, something around there. Uh, There's nothing coming out today in 2015 or 2014 that wouldn't be completely understandable in 1995. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. Yeah. And it's an interesting point because it's even worse today. Anything that comes out today would be perfectly understandable in 1995. There's but, but, almost... But, but what is the definition of understandable? Well, the, the, there, it wouldn't be rejected. that they, People would know what kind of music that is. Mm-hmm. They'd be able to say, oh, yeah, 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 that's rap. <laughs> or yeah 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 that that that's just crazy pop music or that's just prog or whatever whatever the filter is so is and, that is that simply because there are there are millions of pigeonholes or why he uh he feels that it's uh it's it's politically determined uh and economically determined uh basically in with the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991 uh the only viable alternative to capitalism failed. And at the same time, you had, uh, what's his name, Fukuyama declaring the end of history, that bourgeois democracy is the end point and there's nowhere else to go. This is it. Get used to it. And so, and that was like right around 1989, 1990, Soviet Union falls in 91. And so what uh, Fisher pointed out was right around 1990, in the mid 90s, between 93 and 97, it just sort of seized up. And culture just sort of put on the brakes and, you know, dropped into second gear kind of thing, or, or drifted into neutral, really. And so as a consequence, Everything is just constantly churning because there is no future. The future mm-hmm. has been canceled. Mm-hmm. There is there. There's not. There's no Star Trek because Star Trek was communist. Believe it or not, it, it was a communist view. There's no money. There's no work. People do whatever the fuck they want. You know, if you want to go explore outer space, you join Starfleet. 
You don't get paid for it. You just go do it. Mm. And, uh, and that's canceled. Uh, the idea of the Jetsons, you know, even even working as much as the Jetsons do, which is like what? I think like 10 hours a week. <laughs> and they live in, in, in these sky buildings and they go, they have like flying cars. Yeah, that future has been canceled. Mm. <laughs> All the, the only futures that haven't been canceled are the dystopian ones. Mm-hmm. The only visions of a future are like Blade Runner, uh, Aliens, uh, the, the latest versions of uh, Star Trek, which are just like brutal and violent. Uh, it's like a dystopian future. Mm-hmm. Ender Game, like all that kind of stuff. Uh, what's that? Uh, Hunger Games. These are, these are the visions of the future, and they're completely dystopian. So there is no positive future mm-hmm. to his view. And so because the future has been canceled, all you have left is your past. And so you mine the past, you bring it to the present, regurgitate it, bring it from the past, regurgitate it. And so that, and that effectively explains vaporwave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From and that started in like 2008, 2009, really hit it, really hit the time in 2011, 2012. And it also goes for a lot of the stuff that's coming out today, like uh, like PC music and uh, this kind of like future pop and uh, future funk, this kind of stuff. It's all just looking back and then they just process these ideas and make new ones. And so what I like to do with what I'm doing is doing the, do this in a very conscious way, mm-hmm. you know? So if I'm going to take something from the past, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to just make fun of it or parody it. I'm literally going to relive it mm-hmm. and, and re-inhabit the space of the composer. So discrete music in C. Uh, uh, the Zither project that I did, which is just reimagining Laraji, all that kind of. So that's where I'm, I'm kind of at right now, and uh, and that's why I hope that uh, that there can be a new vision out of this, because until we get a, a new f- vision of a new future, a positive future. We're just going to be retreading the same old shit for the next 20 decades. I, I find that fascinating for, uh, for many reasons. So if you say that the only future that's not canceled is like a dystopian um, mm-hmm. idea or the idea of dystopia, right? What if we just say that's going to be the same for music? What is dystopian? music because the dystopian music as we know i would say is the music that nobody listens to (laughs) so isn't that interesting yeah yeah so so what would it take for popular culture to become 100 percent dystopian in its contents I, I don't know. Is that a place that we really want to go? No, I don't know. But I'm just saying, if that's, yeah. if that's the only thing that's left, you know, if that's the only uncancelled future, then we have to take that into account as well, right? So maybe, yeah. because if you say, like, if we want to, if we, ha- I, I don't know, I'm, I'm very happy to develop my own vision 
mm-hmm. of the future, and I don't need anybody else to say same uh, here. Well, that is, um, but because you just and I forgot the name of the guy, but you know, you just mentioned this this idea mm-hmm. of the, the the future is canceled, right? Um, so, but what does that mean for the arts? I think it's I think it's an interesting interesting question, and I'm not talking about the system that the arts exist in, but the, the actual works. Like, what will they be like? You know, is it is is there uh, is there going to be like a new kind of romanticism that kind of like tries to counteract the dystopia, or is there is there like like real 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 ugliness, like something that really tries to be, and and you know. To me, uh, Einstürzen Neubauten come to mind, which yes. is a band I love, and and it's even their very early stuff, which is pretty much like the idea of sort of like a dystopian kind of like sound and mm-hmm. and and uh, expression, uh, you know. And um, I don't know, is that where we're going? What do you have a vision for for future music that's not cancelled? Yeah, I. Uh... I've, I've I've thought about this and and I'm just looking at where I don't know if I'm equipped to make that. That's the whole problem. I don't know if it's that's in it's if it's in my DNA. Uh, my another important strand in my work is uh, in 1985. I had a real crisis year. It was a really bad year, like many, many bad things happened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, so I ended up living in a Zen center. Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting there looking at a blank wall all day just to keep my sanity. And one of my roommates gave me a record, which I still have. It's in the other room. It's by a guy named Wadazumi Shuso. Uh, well, at least that's what it says on the record. It's actually Wadazumi. And he played a hachiko, like a, this giant, huge, just this huge shakuhachi flute. And he was a Zen master. And that was his practice. He would just play the flute. Yeah. And that so inspired me that that's been another recurrent uh, theme in my music, in my creativity. And I think that really came to the point in uh, the Zither studies with Raji, where it's distinctly, well, actually in the one before that, the Covidian meditations that I put out, the record before that, where I'm specifically using my music as a meditation process. Mm -hmm. And so I go into this sound and I find my way through the sound. And the sound just responds as part of the world. And so there's this, uh, this kind of a, a very centering and very, uh, uh, for want of a better word, spiritual kind of space. That's not the right word, but it'll do for now. Um, and so that's kind of, that's, that's a really important thing to me because I think that as a musician, as we contact our work, we we have to cut. It's it comes out of some kind of place. It comes out of some kind of space. You know, uh, Robert Fripp will talk about you know like the the little fairy sitting on your shoulder, or something like that, or like uh, this kind of 
divinity that comes from from above and into the musician and the mus- and it comes through the musician it's like that only i'm not so i'm not as metaphysical as that. I'm just, <laughs> I, I don't i don't buy into that kind of division stuff but uh but i understand where that's coming from and it's that's that's also something that's very inherent to my work and that's what's so cool about the uh the uh the Laraji, uh, the the zither studies, is because I studied the uh, like uh, the two of the pieces. I'm actually playing along with Laraji on my keyboard. Not exactly. And then I did the same thing that you just talked about, where you take that sound with the reverb tailings and all, and then put it through MIDI and process it. Mm-hmm. And so the, you keep on doing this to me because <laughs> you and I are always working on this, on these parallel tracks, just yes. thousands <laughs> of miles apart. And so, and so that's how two of the tracks in uh, the Zither studies came out. Mm-hmm. And I just, only instead of uh, uh, assigning it to some other sound, I assigned it back to a Zither and just dumped a pile of uh, processing, you know, chorus effect and reverb and echo, and bingo, you, you get that. Uh, so I was dealing with that. Also, I remembered listening to Larashi's uh, ambient album with Eno, and I could hear how Eno was playing with the EQ. Mm-hmm. And it's all handheld. You could tell that he's just sitting there doing this. There's something going on in there. And so I, I did that too, using uh, the uh, eight band EQ in uh, uh, widget uh, Ableton. So I was, just, I was just moving a band around and playing with it and pulling it up and pulling it down and doing circles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I did that too. So that was, so this is all a way of bringing me back into that sound. So I'm generating a sound much like, and I just saw Larashi perform on Facebook and he was just inside his sound. He had his zither and he's just playing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's perfect. And so I was playing this keyboard here, like right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, coming up with, uh, with, the same kinds of things I use using a zither preset. Uh, I got I downloaded a zither instrument, so I was able to do that. You know what I mean? And and so I was able to re-inhabit this space and and go inside his music in a way that I couldn't if I tried to play it on guitar or piano or anything else. Is to go inside the that timbre and also the processing involved and re and just go inside that and that's exactly what Watazamito did with his flute he just got inside his flute mm-hmm. and that to me and, and that's what i love about your your stuff too because i I'll, I'll be listening to oh, i don't know like some like trepanation or something and and I, and I can hear you play and i know you're in there mm-hmm. you know yes. i can hear you yeah. i can hear you in there you know, Henry, the interesting thing is like I, I wouldn't know how to do it otherwise, right? Like what what other way could 
I, I, I really have no idea if, you know, what other way there could be to make art. Is there another way to even make art? Is there yeah. a different... I don't yeah, know. I'm, I'm sure, I give, well, no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm yeah. sure there is, but I, I say like from my perspective, I can't imagine like how, how would I, how would I not be inside it, of it, right? Like, yeah. And you know, there's this, the physical aspect to, to, um, to creating that sound is there's always a little bit of, at least a little bit of physical interaction with, and, and, and that is, um, I think we're, we're mostly not aware how, how subtle the moves are, let's say that make, that make piece what it is. Right, like it's it's yeah. like the subtlest thought or the subtlest um, move of a controller that makes all the difference, right? And, yeah, and and we really we really don't don't sometimes don't even know um, what kind of power we have there. Uh, but you you did really uh, great in avoiding my question about the vision of future music, right? Oh well, <laughs> the, the, like I'll back to that though. And so to me, I think that. Uh, I think that what we're seeing right now is kind of like a, a general reset in a lot of culture. And I think that uh, my particular take and your particular take, like how you and I, we we operate inside the music and we go through this. Mm -hmm. I think that's one particular vision. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a noble vision. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful vision. It's This is something that we can take forward and and become part of a lineage mm -hmm. and if it's you know and there's there's been this all through the ages you know from yeah. me to Watazamito. Watazamito goes back to uh you know other performers before most of them are nameless you know they've just disappeared because they didn't write shit down you know mm -hmm. and uh and that's and so i think that that's part of the, the the this vision this this future that we can imagine it's and it's that's it but i'll just be one i don't think it's going to be like one truck we're all going to get on the bus and go into the future i think it's going to be a lot of people walking a lot of people on bicycles a lot of people uh driving cars taking jet planes i don't care it's just a way to get into uh, and out of this this kind of pit that we're in. And I think that a lot of it is going to have to deal with uh, the objective material conditions that people find themselves in. And once those really start to change, then we'll have the heralds, you know, to say, oh, go there. And that's what I think is, is important. I think that there's a lot of people trying that. I People talk about Sophie, uh, God rest her soul, uh, as being uh, a future-oriented artist, uh, I don't. I'm not really there with that, uh, but but I I understand the the drive to talk about her in that regard. Uh, I think that what you're doing uh, is is exactly that. It's like it's a way to go into the future, but it's uh, but there's got to be some way out of this uh, capitalist realism. It's just because uh, it just can't sustain itself. And so we need that 
that vision yeah. of a better world. Yeah, which is which is uh, um, sort of not independent of. Well, it's 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 a general it's a general future vision. There, it's not just music, right? But mm-hmm. I still I still find the the question interesting. So if we just uh, assume again that we have um, cycles and like you know, mm-hmm. but there has been like this this, this <clears throat> really uh, intense change in culture in musical culture. Um, that came about by um, the ability to record analog first and then digitally. So, like, the, it's it's like two important events. So now that, like, the question is really, like, were people already able to imagine that future, say, in, uh, in the uh, late 1800s, for example? Right. I don't know because I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure there are people who can answer this question. Right. Like, what what kind of future vision did people have 140 years ago? Right. It's, well, 140 years and, ago. And you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and then and then we can say, okay, so what if we apply the same kind of thinking to today, and we see, okay, what kind of what kind of prediction? Uh, can we make was it was it possible to predict um, um, an, analog recording techniques? Was digitization, um, you know, digital technology, uh, something that was predicted? Mm-hmm. And that well, and I'm not talking about scientists or like thinkers predicting that, but I'm talking mm-hmm. about like there's like a general understanding of what may be possible. And I think that what. In, in the end, but you can correct me if, if I'm wrong, but I think it's the arrogance that we have as, as humans that we do under, that do, we do believe that we understand. And, and saying something like there's, there's no future or the future has been canceled, that you know is mm-hmm. a little bit it's a little bit arrogant because that means that, that at least for me, the way it sounds like, it means like that we believe that we know what the possibilities are. And I don't think we do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just like, was it, you know, was it possible to predict funk music? Like when was the first, the first? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. So so that's why I find this idea about like, what is the future future vision or what, well, well, more precisely, um, what would uh, future music sound like? Well, then the, the things that we can imagine probably mostly are things we've already heard that we kind of like have an idea what they could be, but we can't really, we can't really imagine um, a qualitative change that mm. I think that would be, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that there's, a, there's also a big problem, which is all the low-hanging fruit is gone. Mm-hmm. All the really easy melodies, they've been used because they're easy. <laughs> you know, there's millions and millions of songs and all those little millions and millions of melodies, they're just used up. So I think that uh, one of the things we may need to look to is, a, is forgetting mm-hmm. and yeah. a, a relinquishment of uh, intellectual property to allow ourselves to reinvent. Mm-hmm. 
and to forget the uh, and that that could be the the oh that this is a weird now here's a weird okay here's a weird kind of I just thought of this like this weird dystopian utopian vision because basically we know that this the stupid computer I'm using the one you're using this is garbage it's just going to go away and all the data on it is going to have to get stored someplace. And those storage devices will also go away. Mm-hmm. So basically, the f- when the f- people hundreds of years from now look back, this is going to be a, a dark age. Mm-hmm. All of our conversation, all of our music, everything was wrapped up in this digital technology that no one can make sense of anymore because we don't have the tools for it. <clears throat> Much less be able to, and even if you did have the tools, you don't have the ability to interpret the file format or break the uh, the the cryptography on it. But you know what? But you know what, Henry? But that's that's the current state of things. Yeah. Like maybe that problem can can be solved. And yeah. I know that you used to work on a project like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so so this is the so this becomes very very interesting. So if if this all sort of disappears, then we can't remember it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't written down in paper. Mm-hmm. The sheet music never existed. I mean, I dare you to find sheet music for Boards of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just it's a dumb idea, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. So people will have to, they, but people will still be making melodies. They'll still be making harmonies. They'll still be making compositions. They'll still be singing and playing instruments. And they'll be allowed to reinvent over and over again the melodies that will all be reinterpreted according to the local uh, requirements that are needed. So if it's whether it's through electronic instruments, which I doubt will exist, but if they do, then fine. If they don't, then you have all the acoustic instruments, which aren't going to go away. I mean, it's easy to make a flute. You know, you just cut reed and you blow into the reed. It's it's easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the flutes have been around since what? I think the oldest is like 42,000 years old or something. Mm-hmm. Like some crazy ancient bone flute from the caves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they found evidence for uh, similar instruments, you know, drums and whatnot. So... There's an ability to do this. So people and music is innate. It's what we do. It's because we're human. So how we're able to do this in the future. That's the interesting thing. How can we envision that as a positive future and get out of this cul-de-sac of modernity and and worse is postmodernity. I think that's that's why it's actually very important to uh, make music with the technology that's available nowadays. Because let's just like even if we have the forgetting, maybe we have like we're building new structures in the brains of you know the people that will come after us, the generations that will come after us, and they will have like a built-in understanding for contemporary classical music and. <laughs> here's even more it's like what we were just talking about like how the the similarities between how you and i work we 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 sit inside our music Mm -hmm. that's not common Mm -hmm. 
you know, a lot of people, they'll say, I'm going to write a song. And so they think about writing a pop song. It has a very defined structure. You plug in your chord progressions, you write your lyrics, you get your middle eight. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're done, right? Get an intro, get an outro, you know, and, that, and then you have a song. It may not be any good, but you keep on doing that over and over and over again. And eventually you, you get something that's passable. Uh, but that's not how you and I work. Mm-hmm. You know, so so we're inside this stuff. And I think that uh, being inside music like that is something that is uh, something that will go forward because it is the most innate form of music making. You know, the guy who made that bone flute 42,000 years ago, mm-hmm. he wasn't working with sheet music. You know, he was playing a flute. Mm -hmm. Now, in what context he was playing it, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But but my guess is that he had to practice it because he wants to play it because it's beautiful. So I think that that is kind of like the innate practice of music. That's also why I think, but again, I think that the humans of... 20,000 years ago are not not so much different from how we are nowadays. Oh, at all, at all. I, 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 you know, it's just like you would still have to practice your flute. And if you if you wanted to play the same melody twice, you would have to know what you're doing. You would have to remember which fingers you put where and yeah. how hard you blow. <laughs> all that. Yeah, it's all there. It's all it's it's the same thing. Yes, yes. You yeah. Know? And yeah. so I, f- I feel that that is that that's that's why I don't feel uh, I don't feel daunted by mm. what I'm doing, even though I know that I make very unpopular music. Uh, you know, no one no one listens to this stuff, but uh, you do. And I, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but, you know, you know what I'm driving at. And so but I so I don't feel uh I'm on the wrong side of history. I feel that I'm doing the right thing at the right time. And that's another reason why I do electronic music and I specifically do electronic music is because it won't be remembered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is music of today. Yeah. And it provides guidance mm-hmm. for today. And that's, that's, that's the key point. You know, this is music for us, and I'm not making it just for me. I'm making it for everyone. So this way, perhaps by listening to wherever my mind goes in this music, that others can also find their way through it as well. And because uh, if that can't happen, then there really is no point. Then, then that's your nihilism point. Then it's just like, okay, it doesn't fucking matter. But I, I do believe that that is possible. And I, the reason why I believe it's possible is because that's what people have been doing for the past 40,000 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, the aspect of, of um, you called it meditation, or you could just mm-hmm. say like, like trance, you know, trance states, which uh, we humans seem to enjoy, right? It's... Um, 
I think that that's really like the, the purpose of making music for me in the first place, because I, I get high, right? And, and some people that listen to it, they get high as well. So, you know, exactly. that's, 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 that's kind of, and, and then behind that are concepts like maybe uh, healing or like unity or integrity integrity and, like yeah. all these all these things that uh that um you could say are good you know mm -hmm. <laughs> and um yeah but i i think that uh so that's why i think that there is a there the, that's why i feel confident about a future a lot of people are not but i feel that uh it just won't be anything that we imagine. Mm -hmm. It'll just be something completely different, like as Monty Python used to say. <laughs> and now for something completely different. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly where it's going. We're just going to end up with something completely different from where we're from where we are. But it's not going to happen overnight. And mm -hmm. that's why it's important for someone such as myself to be the foot soldier. Mm -hmm. You know, and practice this and keep this going and uh, and bring this sound into the world. And as long as people have access to the internet, they will have access to what, I, what I'm doing. If there's no internet, there will be digital copies that can be made. If there's no digital copies, then things get a little dicey. <laughs> that's, so that's why, that's, okay. that's why it's good that I still have 12,000 copies of CDs in my basement, right? Damn no, straight, but there, there won't be players, though, for the city. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, this This computer doesn't even have a drive on it. Yeah. I had to go buy one. It's like 40 bucks or something from Amazon, but geez. <laughs> but yeah. So so, what, so what's next up? Speaking of music, so what, what, what's next on your... Uh, th well, actually, I'll tell you what I'm doing now. Yeah. So I still have all that stuff you gave me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and this talk has been really, really good. So it has inspired me to, I started working with some of it about six months ago. Because mm -hmm. I said, uh, it's, it's been sitting there, I've been listening to it over and over again. And I, and I try to do something with it, and I, I can't touch that. It's just, no, I can't touch that. No, I can't touch that. Then about six months ago, I said, I'm going to start touching this. And so now I, I feel comfortable. Yeah, I'll just start grabbing it and wrestling this and and find my way inside that and that'll Wonderful. be good i i can't even remember what i gave you because it's been six years well, it was a bunch of soundscapey type stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 but you know yeah i'm looking forward to what you're going to do with that yeah yeah it'll be fun and i'll i'll throw it back at you but uh but that's but that's not the next thing i'm doing the next thing i'm doing is to consolidate a bunch of the ideas that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. So between the Covidian meditations, uh, the zither studies, and the previous stuff, and also, uh, what's that, the, uh, the West, West End Electric, uh, how to uh, start integrating all of these different approaches. So this way I will have a whole pile of brushes and canvases and paints and colors mm -hmm. that I can then bring into the, the stuff with you. 
So this mm-hmm. way, when I go into it, it'll be much more prepared and uh, and I can approach it with confidence. Yeah. Yeah. So you see, like, one thing that I've been trying to do for, I would say, almost all my life is also to create some sort of music that doesn't feel like it's coming from me or even from anybody else. Interesting. Oh, right, because of, uh, yeah, your automatic and your algorithmic compositions, right? Yes, but you know that, like, within uh, the world of algorithmic composition, there's a, a lo- there's a lot that sounds like something that you could actually come up with yourself, right? <laughs> so, so then you kind of, like, have to dive deep and study and, like, find those gems that feel like they are constructs, let's say, that I wouldn't have found without the process using without using the process right right and and i'm still very much interested in exploring um that field of music where in the end when people listen to it they don't realize what the process was like and it's it's very much it's very similar to what you do but like i just have like my my own idea of working purely on on the like you would say on the midi midi data level um just to find these new ways to have evolving logic in music right mm-hmm. and so um but i've like more and more i've i've started to combine that with the other side of the coin which is improvised music which is like all about what human behavior is about because mm-hmm. like all the sounds i make all the processes i use when playing live, uh, when improvising live, is, is is totally totally me and restricted by me. And like combining the two, the two these two things has been has been very interesting. And I've uh, just gotten another commission to write for a mallet quartet, and they, they um, I've already written a piece like about um, like sixteen months ago for them. And so now uh, there's a recording. There's a whole day of recording for my piece and they said, okay, we have enough time so you could write another piece. And so I had the deadline was was Sunday. So yesterday was the deadline for me to deliver the piece. And on Saturday morning, I was, I had nothing. Ouch. <laughs> I had nothing. And so I said, okay, I sent my family away and I, mm-hmm. I sat down in the afternoon and I looked through some old sketches that I had made a couple decisions. Two hours later, I called the guy who does the engraving of the scores for me. We went over the MIDI file I sent him and the piece was done. Wow, awesome. And that's 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 how it usually works for me. Like, you know, that's it's like the, the, the pieces, the ideas, they sort of like build up uh, without actually taking a musical form Mm-hmm. Or from sometimes many years, not in this case, but sometimes for many many years, and then there's this process of, of of um, catharsis, even I would say, yeah. where 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 the where where the idea becomes something tangible, and like pitches written, you know, something written down or recorded, or and um, and so. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of like where where I'm at, and I would 
would very much like to um, apply these techniques to uh, to more tra you know larger or large traditionally ensembles. Mm -hmm. So I like a choir. I would like to write a choir piece or oh, like, that'd be great. Like, like a fully uh, like an orchestral piece that's different from very different from the Top Modern Five Thirteen piece that, that I did, mm. right? And so that that's sort of like my interest. And then yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Have you, uh, in terms of uh, algorithmic stuff, uh, I was introduced to that by listening to uh, Nick Didkovsky. Mm -hmm. He did a record called Beta 14 OK. Mm -hmm. And it was really wild. He had the computer algorithmically compose the music, and then he had it printed, like engraved, and then he gave it to his band and said, play. Mm -hmm. And they recorded the band playing what the computer told them to do. And it's mm -hmm. the most spastic, messed up music. It's hysterical. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, so that was, that was my introduction to algorithmic mm -hmm. systems. And uh, he used a bunch of, uh, what are those called, uh, Markov, uh, Markov right. processes. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so it was a lot of uh, syntactical type shifting you know like th this is the part of the sentence that goes here only instead of a sentence it's music so you like do yeah. that 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 like that but that, that's how i found out about it so when you started working on uh todd morton i was just like ooh, ooh yay <laughs> and i really love that piece that, that's yeah. such a great 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 piece of music you you wrote the liner notes yeah yeah <laughs> that's how much i that's how much i loved it <laughs> yeah i remember that i was those were, that was a, that was a great time, but yeah. uh yeah, I love uh yeah, so I'm really i and when you said choir, I just thought, oh yeah, of course, mm. oh my god, yeah, and that even would be an, even an op even an opera like like not a traditional opera, but you know yeah i i I have a little person i go ahead do an opera, I don't care, but uh I hate opera, so I just yes <laughs> yes i I know what you mean, but it doesn't have to be that way that's kind of what yeah. inspires me to, to write an opera because it yeah. can be different i really yeah. think it can be different it can be more like a like a good movie or a mm -hmm. good episode of a tv show like <laughs> that's that's kind of like what i'm what i envision my only problem i i don't mind the music the music's fine mm -hmm. i don't mind the melodies the melodies are fine what i hate about standard opera is the voice yeah it's yeah. people bellowing yeah i can't uh it's just i walk away it just it, i just it just makes me filled with rage and i don't know what it is it's probably some deep psychological thing some repressed childhood memory i don't know but when somebody puts on opera i i just like i walk out of the room i i totally agree I totally agree, but, <laughs> but 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 imagine but imagine uh, you have uh, David Sylvian singing and uh, uh, right yes yes and and that's yes. that's that's kind of like what I mean right? yeah. I I wouldn't I wouldn't be interested in in adopting any of those uh, cliches uh, yeah. when it comes to the voices that that just doesn't make any yeah. sense to me it's, yeah the it's, only operas I've ever been able to handle were like stuff like Philip Glass for instance yeah yeah you know. And yeah. Robert Wilson, that that I can yeah. handle a lot more easily. 
but 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 there you go you know like i i use the word opera and what it creates that sort of uh like expectation or image uh in one's mind right and right and so uh, maybe i should have used uh like a different more flowery uh well way no but that's a that's a good problem yeah you know <laughs> it's a good problem like uh what's that what's that a uh, like well it hasn't done any been done any great shakes because of people like John Adams. I mean, he he writes wonderful music, but it's the same people from the stock opera company who come out and start yelling on stage, and it's just that doesn't help. <laughs> that's, that's that's true. That's true, and and that's where I think it is it is very necessary for a modern. Um, artists that have some sort of like, let's say, crossover experience with genres of music, right? It's kind of educate all, educate the performers, mm -hmm. um, which which sounds like, again, sounds arrogant maybe, but no, I, I really mean it. Like if the string quartet, like the Matangi, the, the string quartet that played my string quartet, mm -hmm. um, uh, first of all, they they did a great job in the first place. But I knew I know that I could have just told them what what I think they should do, right? And if I if I say no vibrato, then I mean no vibrato, right? right? And and I think it could be the same with uh, professional singers. It would I'm, I think Why it's not? possible. But you like I said at the like at the beginning of our conversation, you you know like. It's not enough. It's not enough to be able to write good music. You also have to have some way to communicate um, what mm -hmm. you want. You know, that's also why I believe that recording technology is such uh, such a wonderful uh, thing for for music makers because you can sort of create something that comes close to like a reference mm -hmm. of what you really want. If you know, if you mm -hmm. have a chance to record your own music, and then somebody can listen to it, and or you know, and then know that no, no, I don't, you don't, you don't sing it with that operatic voice. You sing it with like the vernacular voice. Yes, yeah. right. And and I think that's that's probably um, where like some of the worlds. That's where the world of uh, popular music let's say and the classical world that's where the big biggest clashes are mm -hmm. in you know like where these assumptions and where basically also the uh the whole educational process is basically being questioned um mm -hmm. yeah so yeah but I, I find that fascinating and i th i think i am i am very op i'm very optimistic when it comes to that i think there's so much uh, there's been so much progress um, already, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, I'm I'm not um, famous enough to be taken seriously. Uh, but I would really, really, really enjoy writing for, you know, great performers. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. let's see. I I hope I hope that it can uh, happen. It can happen. Yes. In the in the, you know the dystopian future. I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there there was a comedian back in the 1980s, a woman named Judy Tenuta, mm -hmm. and she was just really rude, and she was very funny. And she's like, yeah, you know, so like I was on this plane to Europe. Yeah, it could happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I always think of that. It's like, yeah, yeah, it could happen. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> 
you know, it's it's all good. No, I think that we'll just keep on doing what we're doing, you know, and yeah. pursue it. And that I and you, you have a lot more fire under your butt to do it than I do. I mean, I have a job. I don't have to worry. <laughs> but so I can just do my little world, you know, mm-hmm. and and I'm comfortable with that. It's taken me a long time to be able to just do that. Uh and I'm very happy in my in my little music space, uh, but I know that you have mu- you have much bigger fish to fry. You are, yeah. I I know that. I know I know that about you, mm-hmm. and that's a very great compliment because Thank you you, uh, you have you have much bigger fish to fry, <laughs> and so I think that. Uh, that you you will go on and do that, and I and I want to hear that more than anything. It'd be fucking brilliant, man. Uh, I don't know what the uh, what the dysfunction is in that way with the music world. Uh, it just strikes me as unbendingly stupid, frankly. Uh, why th- this? There's all these silos, you know, and everybody stays in their silo, and uh, and there doesn't seem to be any kind of a exchange out of that. And I just find that, uh, and it just it works to the detriment, you know, yeah. and uh, and it's kind of, and like you see uh, the and the thing is that the distinction between high art and low art was broken, you know, like forty years ago. I mean, when Laurie Anderson did a Superman and it went to like what number two in you in the UK I mean hey yeah you know and or and uh and Wendy Carlos the biggest selling record in classical music is switched on Bach mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay mm. so what what does this tell you you know there's a, there's there's and I think a lot of it has to do with uh class and uh, power, mm-hmm. and uh, how people dis- uh, build their walls around their class and their group, their in group, and, and in order to maintain power yeah. in whatever little things. And and because all the money for this is constantly cascading down into smaller numbers, uh, the uh, vibrance and the violence by which it is defended. <laughs> goes up so like the the smaller the stakes the greater the greater the anguish you know it's it's really weird and uh i i just find it sad and pathetic but that's i I, I think the feature in which this shows the most is skepticism in people like like when you are actually a person who is great at what you do like you gonna run into walls because people are skeptics that's that's kind of like how I see it. There's, you know, like it's too good to be true that somebody would actually be a good writer, a good mm-hmm. singer, and an astronaut, right? Like <laughs> right. very very unlikely. And so like people are are yeah. skeptical, right? Yeah, they call it the Buckaroo Banzai problem. Okay, really? <laughs> oh, you ever see that movie? I uh, know. Oh God! You got to see Buckaroo Banzai. I'll, I'll I'll email a link to you. Okay. But yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. 
No, but I, I really I really believe that what you said, like people want to like just stay in power and like like want to keep in their 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 group where they have status and stuff like that. I think the the way that it shows between individuals is skepticism. Mm. Like like that's that's kind of like how because because you you, you somehow get to um, get um, uh, pessimistic and skeptical and it they, it goes hand in hand and i think that's really that's really why if somebody says okay marcus reuter is a rock guitarist right they don't believe that marcus can write great contemporary classical music they just exactly. don't believe it because yeah. because they say it's impossible because right. because like the the idea probably is that you need to spend uh, all your life uh, sharpening your pencil and uh, and and writing these really small, beautiful, uh, you know, right. uh, C sharps on on paper, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and uh, no, I think and I think that's that's sort of like uh, very much a result of of the way that what the industrialization has brought, right? Like you're you're probably know much more about that than I do, but but just this idea that you know a person only needs to have one skill and just go to the same factory uh every morning for mm -hmm. like 45 years of their lives right yeah, and, exactly and, and do the same thing get the money from the same from the same source for 45 years um it's it's ridiculous i mean it has it wasn't like that before the industrialization you no. had to get to go and find work and that's we've been you know we are in that post industrial uh, I don't know what the right word is. World um, for quite some time, right? And and a lot of people they don't they don't want to face that fact that it just doesn't work like that anymore. You can't. Yeah, it doesn't. Like, I mean, so that's why tenure is amazing, dude. It's it's unbelievable. Like that, that something like that still exists, right? Yeah, it's I'm very great. happy it does because I'd be fucked otherwise. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and for me, that basically means it's a constant hustle, right? That's that's my life. Yeah, yeah. And when I when I don't have work that I that that uh, maybe pays, uh, I talk to guys like you. <laughs> that pays even less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, but yeah, no, yeah, uh, yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, there's examples too, like Frank Zappa. Mm -hmm. You know, he did a bunch of classical music. Nobody paid attention. Mm -hmm. He was routinely dismissed, mm -hmm. you know, by the by the classical uh, people. You know, but damn it! it but you know, because of him, uh, that's one of the reasons why uh, I listened to Edgar Varese because uh, he was a big Varese fan from a little as a little kid, mm -hmm. and I saw. Uh, this is a great one. Uh, I saw Frank Zappa as the MC of an Edgar Varese concert in New York City. Mm -hmm. And Varese at this point had been dead for a number of years, but his, his widow was there. And all her little blue-haired buddies were all in like the fourth row. And it was a classical music concert of music by Edgar Varese. And Frank comes out and he's like... <clears throat> Da, 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 da. So we're gonna listen. Somebody's hey Frank, and he's like, "Yeah, that's my name." Shut up, asshole, like that. And he goes, 
and he's, he goes on. And uh, <clears throat> this woman came out to play Density 21.5 on the flute. And so she's dressed classic, you know, evening gown, you know, heels, flute, mm-hmm. ready to play. She comes out. It was, it was nothing but wolf whistles and, yeah, take off your shirt. You know, like this kind of like stuff. It's just <laughs> assholes in the audience just being really abusive. And so she just turns beet red and she can't play, you know? And so Frank comes out and he's like, listen, one more, one more cat call, one more wolf whistle, show's over, you go home. We've only done four songs. You just wasted your money, mm-hmm. okay? Concert over. I'm not gonna tolerate it. Fuck you hippies. Like this, he was he was so enraged, mm-hmm. so he just like said so now. Then he turned to the woman. He's like, "I'm sorry about this, but you know, they will behave. Thank you very much." And so he gets off, and yeah. she played, and it was beautiful, and everybody behaved after that. But why does it take like that? And and a and b, what is it with like like him being spurned when he was advocating some of the most difficult music that the classical canon offers. Because they can't play. <laughs> they seriously they can't play. I had this I had this uh commission from an ensemble in northern Germany and it was fucking horrible. I wrote a piece for them and they just weren't able to play it. Anything that had a pulse, anything that had some sort of form that required work, sorry to say, that required to be on some some sort of grid, just didn't work. And what I, that's, I said that before, I mean, I, I don't blame the musicians, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of like blame the educational system that, that kind of like uh, brings brings up a certain kind of musician that has no knowledge about how to play in time, mm-hmm. that don't learn to listen properly to each other. And, and I mean, it sounds, you know, it sounds maybe extremely judgmentally because I'm, I mean it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, and I, I, I feel, I feel bad for uh, uh, our society that, you know, something like that still happens. And I mean, we're basically just still talking about the same thing we talked about 20 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah right. right. But um, yeah, but like 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 Frank, uh, Frank Zappa. Mm-hmm. So I think like whenever, whenever you are a person, and this is this is um, again like you tell me what you think about it. If you take if you're taking something seriously, and what I mean is like not necessarily yourself, but you're taking your work seriously. Right, you, right. You have like a certain ethic of 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 working and like practicing or whatever and and like an actual practice of um improving yourself as a as a composer let's say mm-hmm. um and it's very unpopular to be like that it's 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 not something that um at least in certain in certain cultures um it's really uh, something people don't don't really appreciate mm-hmm and I, I find I still find that fascinating. Also, that there's um, and there's there's probably a there's probably a word for that. Like in the U.S., for example, what what is is 
to be a nerd, let's say, is that a good or is that a bad thing? Yeah, it's interesting. It's double-edged. It is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you could be a nerd and it's like so boring, or he's a nerd because he's into what I'm interested in. Or it's a nerd, a nerd, and makes billions of money because of yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a whole another kettle of fish. Yes, exactly. God yeah. sakes. Yeah. So, yeah. so Henry, when when did you start making uh, electronic music? Uh. Well, that's a good question. In a concerted way, like I like saying, I'm now going to start making electronic music. That would be 1987. I bought, uh, I was living with a girl and she said she wanted to buy a house. And so she asked me what my credit score was. Mm -hmm. And I said, what the fuck is a credit score? And she said, oh no. No, no. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, how do I get one? She says, take out a loan, not a little one, a fairly substantial one, mm -hmm. and pay it back. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. So I already had a really good car. I had a 72 Nova. This thing was a fire-breathing monster of a car. Uh, you know, we, were good. We, we had a nice place to live with her, so we were doing fine with housing. And I figured a five, so I'll take out a loan for five thousand dollars. What, what am I going to do with five thousand dollars? And I thought, so I thought about the stuff that I really like to do, and I've always wanted to do. And I figured, I know, I'll build an electronic music studio. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got my check for five thousand dollars, and I went up to Veneman's Music. Uh, outside of Washington D.C. and uh, in Maryland, and I just said, I want that, 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 and this one too. And uh, went home, put it together, and I had an electronic music studio. And then I, so I, that's where the first album, uh, Electronic Etudes, came from, and uh, as well as uh, Meta Meta Wind, the second album. They're basically the same record, only spread across two albums really mm -hmm. and uh and i started learning how to play keyboards i still can't play them very well in a standard sense but i can play well enough to get what i need done mm -hmm. but you can hear me playing it's like all this kind of like weird stuff you know so i was i was interested in playing a lot of medieval music uh sacred harp music i was interested in all these kind of bizarre ways of playing And uh, that's when I started doing electronic music in a concerted way. Prior to that, uh, when I was at this, living at the Zen Center, a friend of mine lent me uh, an ARP Odyssey. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I, so I played that to, during the winter. And uh, that was really nice. Uh, Bob Boylan, bless his soul. He was a, he's a great guy, uh, Bob. And so he lent me his synth, I gave it back. Before that, I was in a prog rock band back in the late 70s. We did covers. Prog rock cover band at the height of punk rock. We played out about once every six months, if we were lucky. <laughs> uh, but we did great covers. Uh, I played bass back then. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, we did uh, Yes, Genesis, King Crimson, Gentle Giant, Beatles, 
that kind of stuff. And it was fun. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, and the keyboard, we had a keyboard player, and he had keyboards, so I got to play with his Freeman String Symphonizer. Did it sound and good? It sounded like a cheap string ensemble, you know? It was just mm-hmm. like a Selena or anything else, really. Mm-hmm. But it was cool. It was cool. And then the uh, the Octave Cat, it's like this little monophonic, kind of quasi-ARP-like mm-hmm. synth. And then he also had... Uh, helping still uh electric piano and uh yamaha organ and so i would so i go there like before practice started i would like mess around on his keyboards and stuff and then when i went to university uh i took a class in electronic music with uh, larry johnson and he had two vcs3s and two four track decks one was a tiac one was a docoder and uh, and we had a lot of fun with that, making tape loops, doing the time lag accumulator thing, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, which was really fun because you put them both, put both tape decks on a uh, on movable carts, mm-hmm. and then you change the speeds, <laughs> so they so the carts come together, and then then you like stop, and then you like reverse, it, and then they they go, and then it's like. <laughs> <laughs> and then it all comes out at different speeds and chopped up as beautiful, beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was a lot of fun. So that's where I, so in high school, we had the keyboard player in the band. You know, first year university, I got introduced to the VCS3, which blew my mind. And then uh, when I got back from Boston, because I only, I, it was like the middle of second semester, I ran out of money. And so I was like shoplifting cheese and shit to survive. It was, it was bad. It was real bad. So I, I like, mommy, I'm coming home. I can't, I can't handle this. So I'm like, okay. So I came back to New Jersey. And then when I went to Rutgers, they had uh, an ARP 2500 there and uh, an analog emu on Douglas campus. I didn't really take any classes using those things, but I did take a class in, uh, in music, uh, kind of like performance avant-garde performance stuff so we would bang rocks together and just do crazy stuff it was fun mm-hmm. uh and then i was in the, that band again so i was playing bass with those guys and then i stopped doing that moved to dc lived in hell for several years and then got the uh the studio that i talked to you about and that's that's my history about that uh, all of this is getting written down. Remember, we talked about this when we first started. I said I'm writing all this down. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So I will. Yeah. I will make sure that. In fact, you can write the. Yeah, I'll send you. You can write the blurb notes or something. Like that. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be yeah. killer. Yes. But uh, yeah, so that's that's how I got started, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I really started getting into electronic music obviously in 87 because i got the atari 1040 because it had a built-in midi which is amazing i had it too oh is that I, a great I, got, I, I think i got it in 86 even mm-hmm. when when was it released 85 86 yeah. right around then yeah 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 and that, that was just a delightful computer i had that i used it well into the 1990s and uh then i got a mac mm-hmm. and uh and then I started doing stuff in the box more, and then. Uh, but I've had a bunch of synths. I've had a. I had. I bought a DS two DSS ones. 
<laughs> one for parts half the time, but that's okay. Uh, TX81Z, a DX11, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Prophet 2002, uh, the Yamaha CS2X, mm-hmm. and uh, that's probably about it as far as oh, in the uh, t- oh yeah, it said TX81Z already. Yeah, that that was about it as far as hardware goes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, right around 2002-ish, to, I just stopped using uh, hardware that much. I still have, I have a, an M1 over here, an M1R, and then this old U220. They're both terrible, but, well, the M1's okay, but the, the U220's terrible. Um, so I still have hardware, but I don't really use it. I basically do everything in the box. I have this Novation Impulse mm-hmm. keyboard. It's fine. <laughs> it works. It does the job. Mm-hmm. That's all I need. And so that's that's basically where I'm at with that. Um, I have some outboard gear, like this Novation uh, launch pad. Yeah. And I have the, uh, the Akai APC40, the the button mixer thing. Yes. And that's that's about it. Yeah, it's all pretty stripped down. I have a, a, a Motu interface. Mm-hmm. And uh, then these speakers, the uh, Event PS8s. Well, that's, I mean, that's all you need. I mean, I, I basically always just work on my laptop, plugging the headphones into the, you know, headphones out. That's all I, that's all I use. 99% of the time and like the other 1% of the time when I need to connect my guitar I you know I use an audio interface and like like there's so much there's so much about music production nowadays is is about the treatment of stuff and the the, mm. the ca- capturing is really and I mean like I'm not saying that's it's like that for everybody but for me as um I don't know what kind of musician am I I don't know, but <laughs> but for, for me, for me, it's really um, that's the easy part, right? Like mm-hmm. I just make one performance and that's it. Like first take. Like I don't, I don't usually try to better myself. Uh, mm-hmm. Or and um, yeah, so that's why for me the the laptop. That's that's really my studio. Yeah, and it and it's 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 great, right? Like like you said, you uh, mentioning the Atari. Um, ST1040, right? It was called. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing because there was uh, a German company that wrote uh, that that had released a great version of BASIC of the programming language, but it was, oh. it was more it was more like like a, a Turbo Pascal um, okay. thing, and it was called GFA BASIC, and wow. and and it was that was like my my entry into. Uh, into programming on the on the computer, so I was writing my my first um, generative music, you know, algorithms in in BASIC in like eighty six, eighty seven. Wow! Something like that. And then like the problem that then in the early nineties you had like PCs, right? And like uh, and the capabilities of uh, of just putting out like MIDI, they kind of like went over my head. Like it was <laughs> suddenly it wasn't available anymore. Um, to to simply print something to the MIDI port, right? Like, right. Yeah, and uh, and so that's how I kind of like lost um, lost contact with with programming in 
you know mm. music directly let's say and yeah. only only recently actually just before um, um like a year or two before the string quartet came out so really like five years ago maybe i found a guy who actually helped me kind of like rewrite the my old stuff in <laughs> excellent in, in python so oh nice yeah so <laughs> nice yeah that that's great yeah i uh oh by the way just uh, what what uh, what inter interface do you use uh, I mostly use Focusrite, like okay. a Scarlet, like a small one. They're, they're great. They're fine. Four, yeah. four inputs and four outputs are like. Yeah, I have the uh, I have the uh, Motu uh, Ultralight. Yeah, it's I basically I the same thing. It's I still I still use that. I still have the both Bernard uh, and I. We have, still have the Focusrite. Uh, no, the uh, the Motu, the first one, the Ultralight. Yeah. The very first one. I don't think we ever even updated the, the <laughs> software on it. So, Ooh, I have the Mark Three. Oh, you have the Mark Three. No, we have the Mark Zero. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 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 Holy shit! It's five o'clock. Yeah, we we spoke oh. for two hours, man. Time flies. Yes, this and, is and, amazing. And really, to me, it feels like I, I'm only starting um, to really get into the really interesting stuff with you. Like maybe, maybe we should just repeat this. Yeah, let's do it again. Yeah. Yeah, that'd yeah. be fine. To, let's let's let it bubble for a couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then we'll we'll have another convo. That'll be great. Yes. Yeah. So how how old is your kid now? Uh, twenty three. Wow, it's a big kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's actually with us right now. Uh, she's uh, going to school at Concordia. Mm -hmm. But you know, roommates, different schedules. So she's home alone with her cat. You know, so she's here with us. It's it's much nicer. You know. The food is good, <laughs> you know. So the is she, is she nice. still an art student? No, no, no. She's uh, she left that, and now she's in uh, this thing called human relations. It's kind of like a sociology, uh, mm -hmm. psychology kind of thing that they teach there. It's a, it's a really good program. Mm -hmm. I met some people where I teach uh, who went through that program. And they said it's awesome and they really enjoy it and it it made their careers to for what they do. So I'm like, cool. And she loves it. She's really having great classes. She's studying really great courses. I was just like, yeah. Well, one of them was on cults. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then last year she had a course on the... Uh, on the on the Holocaust or something, just like really intense stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, she's doing great. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm really happy. And Beth is fine. She's still uh, doing her work from home over the uh, internet with uh, doing project management, and she's at uh, working with Bell right now. Mm -hmm. and, and still uh, still sailing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Last year, it's been kind of spooky because of COVID and stuff, but she got mm -hmm. to do some sailing last mm -hmm. year. It was delayed because they couldn't get any everybody into the... Because normally they just do all the boats at once. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there's a big crowd of people, and, and you can't do that. So they had to stagger how everything was released into the water and blah, blah, blah. So it was a mess. Uh, hopefully this year it'll be nicer, a little bit easier that way. Mm 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, we, we did some sailing. I uh, posted some pictures on Facebook of uh, us, you know, sailing, sailing out on Lake Ontario. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, no she's Wonderful. fine. And, and so yeah. everything, everything here is just cooking along. And so, so your, your baby's now what, like a year now? 16 months. 16 months. Whoa. Yeah. Old. Old, really old. Like she, she is a real person already. And I'm blanking it's, on her name. Uma. Uma, that's right. Uma. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As an Uma Thurman. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was the inspiration, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kids are so weird. It's like, you know, one day you're changing their diapers, the next day they're hitting you up for beer money and keys to go wreck the car, you know? It's just. You know, I hear that all the time from from other dads you know, and our other parents, and now I see that it really feels like that, you know. And yeah. like like the misunderstanding that I always had, like, is when other people say, "Okay, it goes so fast," right? Like that, it actually feels like it goes fast to the parent, which I think is the case. But mm-hmm. what is even more like amazing, how fast the development of the kid is. Yeah. And because that is suddenly sort of like overtaking my expectations every day. <laughs> yep. Right? Yeah. Unbelievable. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and your partner? She's well? She's, 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 yeah, she's, she's doing okay. I mean, it's, it's with COVID, it's strange. Like they're, like her company has just moved into a new office building in Berlin, but they haven't even been there for, of course so so it's a little strange and like the daycares are still closed here and so for the last um three months um you know i was i i have to look after my daughter in the mornings for like six hours and you know and it's it's challenging not because i don't um love the time with her but you know like my my usual mode of working was like to work 16 hours per day or something. Yeah, right, right. As, you know, and as, as a self-employed person, that's kind of like what you have to do. Like you have to respond when, you know, somebody needs something from you. Right? Yeah. And um, so... That's what you're doing. You're responding to somebody who needs something from you. Yeah. They're just yeah, little. I know, I know, <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. But yeah. when it comes to when it comes to making a living... Um, yeah. It's, it's just, it's just, it's been quite stressful, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no, but, but we, like I said, we have this beautiful apartment and, it, and I think I'm in, in the best place I've ever been somehow. Um, cool. So I'm not complaining. Like uh, the only thing I still need is tenure. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody should get tenure. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> then that'll just make life so yeah, much easier. Yeah, that's the title of your book, man. Everybody gets tenure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Henry. So to anyway. tell your family I said hi and yeah, uh, yeah. I'll take care. Uh, take care, man. See you soon. See, and we'll yeah. get. We'll do this again real soon. Yes, we'll we'll do this again. Yes. Bye for now. Bye. Bye bye.